This scripture reading and the following address were part of the YouTube streamed worship service from St Paul's Lutheran Church, Box Hill, Victoria, Australia on August 14, 2022. For more information, visit www.stpaulsboxhill.org.au for today is written in the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 12, beginning at the 49th verse. Jesus said, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were here already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptised, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided. Three against two and two against three, they will be divided. Father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. Daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And he also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, it's going to rain, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be a scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? This is the Gospel of the Lord. grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who is with you. The Lord be with you. He is with you. Please be seated. And he is with those who are watching online too. And a, a, a shout out to Carl Yu who turned 100 last week and I was, attended his birthday party among uh, some Estonian Lutherans gathered at that place who told me that they watch online, Channel 44. So greetings to you. The Lord is with you. Even though you may not be watching on a Sunday, God is with you. Yes, grace and peace from Jesus, the Word made flesh, whom we encounter in the readings and in the sermon and worship. And how wonderful it is that our hymns and liturgy also contain so much scripture. Even the church building's design and artwork preaches God's Word to us and invites us to be still and to listen to Him. So in this series of us sitting at the feet of Jesus, we listen. And sometimes the pastor does fails in his duty to preach a good word, and yet God speaks to us. Sometimes I've preached a, what I felt a very poor sermon, and people have surprised me when they said they received something wonderful in it. And of course, uh, there's always the fallback of the church interior and the readings and the hymns and the choir that saves a pastor's sermon. How wonderful it is when we gather for worship and we sit at the feet of Jesus. And God, as we've heard through the prophet Jeremiah this morning, desires prophets and preachers to declare his word faithfully and not to substitute it with their own dreams and words they are not to burden people with lies or failure to preach a hard word, as we've heard a hard word from Jesus today. 
a refiner's fire, to break falsehoods like a hammer breaks rocks. So we're not just to preach peace and peace, but the challenge of the law as well. They are to preach the full counsel of God who seeks to bring life, to nourish our souls with faith, hope and love. And the word of God reminds us of his presence with us and what he desires for us all. But which part are we to be reading on any given Sunday? Well, we use a lectionary. It's a three-year cycle. It's a foundation and guide for our preaching in Lutheran churches with roots in the earliest traditions of the church. The lectionary is intended as a gift, a pathway through Scripture that each year walks the church through its festivals and the chief doctrines of the faith. Now we also have freedom to look at texts outside the lectionary to explore themes designed to help a community to grow in its knowledge, perhaps to challenge it and equip it for renewal and community engagement with the gospel. So occasional side trips like our current sermon series on why we worship like we do can also enhance our journey. They're quite permissible. Christian congregations in the first century took their cues for the divine service from the worship practices of the Jewish synagogue, which used a lectionary to determine the readings. The lessons having been read would be preached upon by a rabbi. Perhaps the best example we have of this is from Luke chapter 4, the account of Jesus preaching at the synagogue at Nazareth. The Isaiah scroll was handed to him, and he unrolled it to the reading from the prophets assigned for that day. And he read it and preached on it. And we find the same practice was carried over in the worship of the early Christian church. From references made about it, such as in 1 Timothy 4, where Paul writes, Until I come, give attention to the selected reading of the day. Early Christian congregations began then to supplement the readings from the Old Testament with readings from the writings of the apostles. In such passages as 1 Thessalonians and Colossians 4, Paul tells these churches that his letters are to be read in the service and then circulated to other neighbouring congregations that they may find them useful as well. And of course, they didn't have the Gospels in those first years. But as the Gospels were written and circulated, they too were read in public worship. The practice of reading Scripture was widespread. And various lectionaries have been used over the centuries. Our modern lectionary has been divided into three years, parts A, B, and C. How um, creative is that? A focuses on the Gospel of Matthew, B on the Gospel of Mark, and C on the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of John is used in all three during the Sundays after Easter and serves to supplement St. Mark in year B. Can you tell me what year we are currently in? See, we've just heard readings from Luke, yes. We're in the series, the cycle of year C. And today we continue the series of exploring, sitting at Jesus' feet, encountering him in his word, why we do what we do in worship. As we've seen by that graphic up there, the worship service has two main parts. We've visited this already. It's meeting with God and being served by him through the word, sitting at the feet of Jesus, if you like. And then the second part is the other high point of the service. It's meeting with Jesus as he comes to serve us with his own body and blood in the sacrament of the altar, the Lord's Supper, a summary of the gospel of God's grace to us. 
Now, anyone who comes to church and goes away saying, I didn't get anything out of it, undoubtedly came with the wrong spirit and ignored the fact that Jesus was present to them. Instead of expecting to be entertained or pampered with affirmation of our own goodness, we have to come humbly to sit at Jesus' feet, to listen, sometimes listen to a word we weren't expecting, perhaps a hard word, as we've heard this morning. We do so with our ears and the eyes of our heart, and he teaches humble hearts, the lowly heart. So listen to him with lowly and humble hearts as he serves us again with words today. Words of life. He has the words of life, and that's why I'm not substituting with a worldly message today. When Jesus spoke a very hard word about um, carrying your cross to follow him, to um, putting the self to death, that only those who um, put themselves to death will find life in him, many found that too hard a teaching, and they, and they started deserting him. And those who remained, he said, will you, will you go also? And they responded by saying, well, where else would we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And so we focus on these words of life that Jesus gives us in worship and the service of the word. From the time of the apostles, an important part of the Christian worship has always been the reading of Scripture, including the Old Testament, the epistles from the New Testament, and the Gospel. And the reason for these readings is the scriptural principle that God's Word is the only rule and guide for Christian faith and living. Where else would we go? Everything has occurred, that has occurred in our service to this point is called the preparatory liturgy. It prepares us to meet with God. It's that early greeting. And now we get on with what he's prepared for us to receive. So we go move through the intro, the confession and the absolution, the passing of the peace, the prayer of the day, and any hymns used to this point. They are steps to approach God. The first reading is from the Old Testament, except during Easter season when it is from the book of Acts. And this reading usually relates to the gospel of the day. We've heard from Jeremiah that God expects his prophets, his preachers, to preach a true word, the whole of his message. And then after that Old Testament reading, the choir and congregation made sing a gradual, a gradual is a mean step. It's a seasonal scripture sung or spoken in response to the first lesson, and it acts as a bridge to the second lesson, to the epistle. And it's usually, uh, we often use a psalm, as we've heard today, how wonderful it is, how blessed we are when gifted musicians, cantors and choirs help us celebrate and respond to God and his word with praise. Now the second reading is from one of the epistles, the letters in the New Testament. And then sometimes there's a verse that follows that from the Holy Scriptures, usually sung in preparation for the reading of the gospel with the alleluias. Now, the gospel lesson is then from a selection of the accounts of the life of our Lord and his teachings, recorded by the four evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And because Christ is with us in the gospel reading, we stand 
to honour his presence. We recognise him coming into our midst through his word. And so we sing, glory be to you, O Lord, before reading the gospel, and after it, praise be to you, O Christ. Have you ever noticed that on certain festival days, ministers read the gospel while standing among the people with acolytes, carrying candles, proclaiming Jesus and his word as the light of the world? As from Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And Christ is in the very midst of us, not just up here from the high altar area, but Christ speaks to us so close, as close as our own hearts. I hope you are hearing him. God, through Jesus, has brought us out of darkness into his marvellous light. And through his word, he guides us still. It's not just history, but it's an interaction, a living relationship that we have with him. He is our guide. Next, the hymn of the day, based on the theme of the reading, sets the stage of the sermon, or the sermon. And the sermon will begin with a prayer of greeting from Scripture, such as Ephesians 1-2, which I greeted you with earlier. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. What follows is from Christ, not from the preacher, but God himself. And preachers are not to proclaim their own wisdom or opinions. They are not to, they're not called to teach philosophy or worldly wisdom, but to be a mouthpiece of God. They're up, they're, they are trained and prepared to explain God's word and apply the word to modern life and problems known and experienced by their listeners. So it's good for a pastor to, to, to know his flock, to know what's going on in your lives. Know what the political environment is, what our concerns are, what our worries are, what our joys are, what our challenges are as a community are. And the preachers are also called to stress both what God demands of us through the law as well as what God does for us through Jesus Christ that releases us from the law, that fulfills the law for us. So the right balance of law and gospel is vital. And we're not left with the law, but with the words the sweet words of the gospel and comfort that Jesus has saved us and frees us and equips us for life with God. What a terrible and awesome task this can be for a preacher. In sermon preparation, preachers will call on the Holy Spirit to lead them that they first place themselves under the word of God and sit at Jesus' feet in order to be able to serve the people with the word faithfully and truthfully. It's an awesome task. It's an impossible task, unless God speaks through this preacher and through human words. And as I've explained, sometimes with stumbling words, the preacher pr pronounces a sermon, but God uses that still, because the Spirit is present. God's Spirit alone can grow faith in the hearts of hearers, and prepare them for a blessed service in God's kingdom. As I prepare, I'm often focused on John chapter 12, verse 31, where a group of Greeks approach Philip saying, Sir, we want to see Jesus. That's very convenient, my name is Philip. This helps me to focus on the task of preaching. I've even seen this verse carved in the wood of some Lutheran pulpits. 
I don't know whether it was the idea of the council or, or a, a special message was being sent to the preacher that way that he couldn't ignore. But people don't want to hear about your favourite footy team, maybe. Well, that's, that's part of life. But we want to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus and hear him and be guided by him. So a preacher, and that includes all authorised lay preachers, may also use modern-day examples of Christian living, Christians living out their faith, that great cloud of witnesses that we've heard about in the second reading. And you're part of that. And so God's word strengthens you for witness in the world. We may use stories of Christians seeking justice and serving others despite hardships and oppositions of being sawn in two. That was a bit gory, wasn't it? Of martyrdom. That may inspire us. But so do two. So do too the quiet lives of Christian people, faithful people who've lived long lives and remained faithful to their Lord despite perhaps having to be abandoned their country because of Russian occupation to come to Australia and still hold on to their faith as the Estonians have. So faithful lives of men and women, of young and old that we know personally. And it's in the width of Christian community that I also celebrate when women preach, women preachers who bring a wealth of experience and un- their unique perspectives of discipleship, of faithful, faithfully following the Lord, that enrich the church's witnesses, witness and helps people to hear, helps the world to hear afresh from their perspective. Amen, Amen to that. In all this, we meet with and hear Jesus. And we hear it from our children's mouths too when they know the scriptures. How wonderful is that? He desires that we see him and ourselves more clearly when we learn to see others through his eyes, his loving eyes, his grace and forgiveness. And our Jesus, our Lord and teacher, assures us of God's seal of salvation. All things have done, all things necessary have been done for us. What amazing blessings when we sit at the feet of Jesus and listen So this is the high point, the first high point of our pattern of worship. And we move on from this high point in response to the readings and proclamation of the word by confessing the faith and the creed, by presenting our offerings and our prayers and praise. And that's going to be our focus for next week's sermon. We then move to the other high point of the worship, which Pastor Neville will lead us in on uh, number five of the six-part series that of encountering Christ as he serves us with his own body and blood in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. But today our focus has been on the importance of the word in the worship of the church. Only by Jesus, the living word, being present can we worship God in spirit and truth as he requires. And this is why the service of the word occurs in every service we hold. Even if it's just a prayer service, there's always a word of scripture used. Encountering Christ in readings, in our prayers, in the sung responses and hymns, the word preached and explained from the pulpit, God speaks to us. How blessed are we. The Lord be with you. He is with you. And as you are at home and at your workplace, as you carry that word and, and be a witness to him, may he be with you, strengthen you, and empowering you to speak his word to others. And so I finish this sermon and others with another word of scripture from Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. 
the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, now and always. Amen.